Here's Blake to Roy. This is for the Hello and welcome into the Backyard Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Connor Scott, and tonight I'm joined by your two favorite Blazer aficionados, Agent 011, Tyler Bagenstoss, and KG, the big ticket, Kyle George. Okay, we could not be more excited for tonight's episode for a couple reasons. First and foremost, we've got a very special guest host with us tonight, a season ticket holder since 2016. He's the only member of this podcast to be followed by the Blazers' official account on Twitter. Um... The one and truly the only known throughout Rip City as the real CVD, it's Corey Van Domlin. Corey, thanks for stopping by and lending us some of your time. I wanted to let the listeners know that Corey has specifically requested to move the recording to tonight, Friday, February 21st, um, because as a season ticket holder, he will be attending 2000s night in the Rose Garden. Yes, that's right. I'm calling it the Rose Garden um, and forever will. Corey, first thing I wanted to ask you, come and swing it out of the gates. Any special attire planned for the game to match the 2000s theme, as well as what throwback song, you being the DJ in every situation, are you most looking forward to? Absolutely, I have a plan for that. But first off, I want to thank you guys for having me on. Been a been a fan of the pod since since day one, really, and Love been it. been a fan of you guys since the the Portland Pocket days. Um, to answer your question, absolutely, gotta have the B-Roy jersey on yep. for 2000s. Yep. Oh yeah. And honestly, if I don't get some some Yin Yang twins, uh-huh. some, oh. some, some outcasts, I, I'm I'm saying I am looking for a dime that's top of the line. Uh-huh. Oh. You know, I'm talking. Yep. Cute Who's face, gonna come out with the music to, for warming face, up? Cute face, slim waist with a big behind. And I don't, if I don't get Ooh. that, I'm gonna be a little <laughs> disappointed. If I don't get some real dirty South rap like was popular in 2000, those are formative years for me, man. Uh-huh. Those early yeah. 2000s. So that's what I'm looking forward to most, aside from hopefully a Blazers win coming Sunday. Absolutely. Okay. Um, reason number two, we're super excited for tonight, tonight's episode is because we are going to attempt to dive into all five decades of Trailblazer basketball. And that's because over the last couple of weeks, we've heard from some of you listeners, um, maybe people that came to school in Oregon for college or became a fan when Dame joined the team and the Portland kind of became a bigger market for a superstar. Um, and with the Blazers' first game being back from the All-Star break tonight yep. against the Pelicans, not a lot of recent news to cover, right? Nope. Mm-hmm. So what an opportunity to kind of let those fans in on what the Rip City culture has been, where its history lies, and kind of how we got to where we are today with this feverish culture around Portland, surrounding what was, for most of our lifetimes, our only professional sports team now joined by the Timbers. Um, before we dive into the five decades of basketball, though, I'm breaking out a new segment tonight. Yes. What? Yes. That is right. Yes. Yes. New segment music. I love it. Um, we are going with the new segment tonight, Through the Fire. Yes, absolutely a reference to Sebastian Telfair's legendary documentary about being drafted out of high school in New York to the Portland Trailblazers. Goat. Yeah, he is, Kyle, but that's not really important. No, What's important was the documentary. Living up to his name, man, Jailblazers. <laughs> that's yeah. right. We'll get to that later. Um, but the idea behind the segment is we've received a couple questions from our listeners and, of course, mostly our friends about some of the things they've seen from the Blazers this season or maybe some topics that have been on the top of their mind. And so in the spirit of throwing you guys through the fire, what we're going to do is put Lillard time on the clock. That's right. Only one minute. And we are going to I'm going to ask a question from the point of view of the listener who submitted it. And at that point, I'm going to toss that question to the Wolves. You're, you guys are going to get one minute 
as a group to debate the outcome. And at the end of that, I'm going to go ahead and decide who went through the fire and was most persuasive for that topic. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a winner in this that. segment. There's a winner for every question in this yep. segment. Okay. Um, also, the questions came from friends and maybe parents slash sisters and family. <laughs> Anyone. Fans, friends, of <laughs> fans of the show. Fans of the show. Fans of the show. Yeah. I just need Thank to clarify. You. Well said. Okay. Thank okay. you. Yeah. It was well said. Anyone's yeah. welcome. Okay. That is Absolutely. true. Well said. That is We're true. We're a very inclusive podcast. Yeah. All yeah. inclusive, someone said. <laughs> Our first question comes from a fellow Linfield Wildcat and good friend Tim Hawkins, who is currently watching the Blazers from over in Idaho. Tim wants to know Gary Trent versus Anthony Simons. Who will develop into the more key figure in the Blazers' future? Ooh. Definitely focused on the youth here. Okay, I'm going to put one minute on the clock, and Corey being the guest, yep. I'm going to let him kick this one Wait, off. Wait, is one minute between all three of us? Oh, yep. yeah. Oh, so shit. you better get your oh, topic yeah. and okay. statement in there. And right. here we go. Corey. I'm going to absolutely go with Anthony Simons. His athleticism from day one has jumped off the court. Gary Trent Jr., great pedigree with his dad playing for the Blazers, coming mm -hmm. out of Duke, has shown a lot of heart for a couple stretches. Um, especially the last couple weeks. Yep. Playing hard, shown good defense, but uh -huh. I think Anthony, with his scoring ability, his calm demeanor, yep. has shown consistently that he is going to be the higher seconds. ceiling moving forward. Yep. I got to go Anthony over Gary Trent right now. Um, he has more potential. I think that they can both play the one and two, or Anthony can play the one and two rather than Gary can only play the two. Uh, if you got to go based off pure um, athleticism and raw skill, I go for Anthony right now. You know, I'm always a Gary Trent guy. I have been this whole year. Unfortunately, I can't seconds. pick him in this argument. I also got to go Anthony. Okay. You guys have I, you guys have already said it. You know the potential's there. He's a freak athlete. Mm -hmm. I love Gary Trent. Love Gary. I love, I love the energy he brings every game on yep. the defensive end of the court. He's a great shooter, but I got to go Anthony in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, perfect. I lo love transpire. Perfect yep. timing, and that wraps it up. In this case, since you all agree, I guess my only choice is myself here taking Gary Trent Jr. <gasps> what the? And that is because of this. Did you audible that, that in your head? No, you I didn't. Know? I had you this had prepared. A different actually, I had this prepared. Read my fake notes um, <laughs> <laughs> this being that i think with where dame and cj's contracts are asking anthony to wait with his raw talent and his skill is uh not that he has the choice but i think he's a bigger trade piece than gary trent jr so this prediction comes more from the fact i think anthony might not be on the roster um, a season or two much longer, whereas Gary Trent is a role player that's going to roam the three-point line, three and D. So I'm saying he's going to be more pivotal in the Blazers' future because he'll be a part of it. Mm -hmm. All right. I may mm. disagree, but that's fine. Yeah, hey, yep. that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> it's not fine. Get the fuck off the podcast. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Second question from comes from the family portion. Yep. Tyler's very own sister, an avid Blazer fanatic, Tana Bagenstoss. Tana had some issues with All-Star Weekend, specifically the dunk contest. I think it's safe to say we all did. So Tana omits that, sure, Aaron Gordon, she agrees, should have won over Derek Jones Jr., but her argument is Pat Connaughton should have been who was facing off against Aaron Gordon in that final, not Derek Jones Jr. And the main portion of this argument comes because Tana argues the best dunk of the whole contest was Pat Connaughton going over Giannis, ball off the glass before flushing it through with two hands. Um, Kyle, I'm going to go to you first on this one. Do you think Tana has a point here that Patty Fastball, former Blazer, beloved by Rip City in his three years, and Notre Dame, fighting Irish, Corey? Go Irish. There it is. Uh, what do you think? Patty well, gets screwed? I'm torn here because last podcast I did predict Patty to win. And so part of me is wanting to agree with Tana. <laughs> yeah, which ridiculous claim, right? Well, uh, a Blazer fan to your core. <laughs> hey, hey, Patty Fastball, he's a goat, all right? Love him. Um, unfortunately... I have to disagree with Tana here. I do think that the two guys that were in the finals were the guys that should have been there. You know, I think Gordon, while he may have been seconds. screwed over as far as winning the contest, I do think he belonged there. 
Um, I wanted seconds. Patty there, Tana. I'm there with you. I wanted him in that, but I, d- I just don't think I oh, yeah, agree. Yeah. But okay, so she has a point with Aaron Gordon. With, um, with Aaron Gordon getting screwed. at the final, yes. yeah. But yes. to make it to the finals, seconds. she has a decent argument with uh, Pat, maybe doing a better dunk than um, d- uh, Jones Jr. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, yes. She even said it was better than Tonkos. She's trying to bring Pat his credit, which is fair. Yes, and I feel like this happens to every Blazers in the dunk contest. It's happened to Rudy Rudy Fernandez, too. I'm with that. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Already out of time. Tough not to give that one. It happened to Rudy when he was in the the dunk contest. He did the around the back off the glass and then dunked it, and he got screwed over. Hey, even Dame threw the lick. Sir. Excuse me. What are the punishments? I don't see them. I'm giving that win to Corey. <laughs> With this brilliant take at the end there, snuck it right in under the bell and Feels persuaded good. us all. Feels good. Um, yeah, I'm with them. All right. The last question comes from a former TUHS alumni. That's the Twalton High School T-U-H-S. for any who don't understand. Jacob Bennett, Everybody. JB. We've all played sports within our lives. A sharpshooter in his own right. Um, JB's question, Terry Stotts. Where does he rank in the all-time Blazers coaching pantheon? And before we jump into it, I just wanted to give a little context. Terry, in his time with Portland, has amassed 350 wins against 280 losses, a seven-time NBA Coach of the Month, and has reached the playoffs in six out of seven seasons with Rip City, including a trip to the Western Conference Finals. And before we start this question, I need to give a uh, correction from episode two and a shout-out to Tyler Bagenstoss, who said that Damian Lillard did indeed miss the playoffs in 2012 and 13. That was Terry Stott's first season, as well as Damian Lillard's rookie year. Uh, Kyle was so in Tyler's face about that not being right. Also, hey. That was not, okay. Can I correct you on something else as well? Oh, yeah, while we're at it. Yeah, at, on your intro and uh, saying Corey was only the only person here followed by the Portland Trailblazers Twitter account. Your boy what? right here. Your boy right here has a follows you on the account at oh. 1.2 million followers, the Portland Trailblazers. Squaw. Uh, squaw. Oh, squaw. Kyle, we got to step up our Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Promotion where they running when Welcome Tyler got to a the follow. Club. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, that's right. You were part of the Make-A-Wish big follow up <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's what it was. <laughs> I see we like to play jokes up in here, huh? <laughs> a bunch of comedians. <laughs> got a bunch right. of funny guys here. <laughs> Let's put some time on the clock, get to JB's question here. Terry Stotts, all-time Blazers Pantheon. Tyler, you get to kick it off. Um, it's hard to judge his uh, all-time Pantheon level right now without his career being over yet. But he's definitely up there. I judge his career kind of along the same lines as Damian Lillard's. Like, do you think Dame had a good career? Yeah, I do. I think Dame or Terry Stotts has had a good coaching career. So there's Jack Ramsey, who's won a championship with the Blazers, and no one else has. Um, I think he's done great. It's, I'd say he's up there, though. He's definitely up there. Yeah, I think so far he's a step below Jack Ramsey. Just haven't hasn't gotten over that championship hump yet. But I put him in the same, uh, just a hair above uh, great coach Rick Adelman, and yep. he is, you know, in in uh, in actuality, he is a step above in terms of a. Uh, wins 350 over 291 for Adelman. So I put I put Stoss right right at that great level, but wants to get over that championship hump for the Blazers. All right. I agree with Corey on this one. The winning percentages with Stotts and Ramsey are very close. However, Ten. Ramsey's That's got right. that championship, and I don't think you can argue with that. Yep. No. So I love Terry. Hope he brings us a championship, but I got to go with right behind Jack. And you, if you go by doctor, like that's that's worth it. I mean, 20 wins minimum. If you go by doctor, like the guy who freaking founded basketball is a doctor. Right. If you go by doctor and that's where and your name is on the place I get to buy beer before the games. Well said. Yeah. You win. People forget. You win. People yeah. do forget. People forget. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. That wraps up through the fire. That was fun. Let's move over to the main event, though. We've got the five decades of Blazer basketball. So our idea behind this was we're going to kind of do a repetitive four questions to capture quickly um, 
what each era was about. We'll be rotating who makes those selections. Let's jump right into it. Here's McGinnis. Lucas comes out. McGinnis for the tie. It's off. All righty, we're going Blazers by the decade. So just as a little recap here, we're going to go through each of the five decades of Blazer basketball. We have our four topics. That is MVP of the decade, best team or season of the decade, favorite moment of the decade, and the heart and soul player of the decade, kind of who emblemized the team's culture and the team's spirit best in that decade, maybe not always the best player. So to kick it off, it's only appropriate. We start with the 70s as the Blazers were bought as a franchise by Harry Glickman and a group of real estate investors in 19, I think 65, but then by the time the expansion yep. actually took place, the first season was 70-71, and that's where we're going to kick it off. Corey, this decade starts in the 1970-71 season, ends 1979-80 season. Go ahead and lay it on me. MVP of the decade to start us off. All right, so I've got two big, uh, big figures for that for my MVP discussion it's not who you might expect Jeff Petrie and Sidney Wicks uh -huh. okay right. both of them in their five seasons uh -huh. averaged over 19 points Wicks who of which over 20 points a game in all five of his seasons over four assists per game uh -huh. plus his rebound stats Jeff Petrie more of a offensive having good assist numbers over four and a half assists in each season Bill Walton, while he is the big name, he's well-known in sports mm -hmm. circles, yep. never got over 19 points a game in his four seasons, had great rebounding numbers, averaged a double-double every year. Portland loves their big man, and uh -huh. that was the thing back in the day. Uh -huh. You need a big man yep. to win a championship, yep. and by all means, <laughs> yeah. they did. You, they just, did. you just said the word. And uh -huh. he did. I think he, you just uh, sunk your argument. They, absolutely yeah. <laughs> not. No. He won he was a part of that championship team and a big part of it. Absolutely. Yeah, just, so the MVP and he, of the, and he the embraced series, And he embraced Portland, so he is beloved. But I promise you, he is not the MVP, MVP of the decade. I am gonna, If I'm going to narrow it down yeah. to one, I'm yep. going to go Sydney okay. Wicks. Right, oh. Points, points mm. per game. All right, you're going Sydney Wicks. Five seasons, 24 okay. and a half, 23.8, and a half, 21.7, Are you kidding me? Those are yeah. serious. That is serious, serious numbers. Are, In the 70s, too. Serious yeah. numbers. We're not, no three-point line. Never dips under three and a half assists per game, 4.6, 3 uh -huh. 5.3, 5.5. Can the ball, for sure. Plus rebounding numbers. Yep. Petrie has very similar, very complex comparable numbers but does not match the rebounding numbers that Wicks does okay and I'm yeah. sorry as beloved as Bill Walton is another couple other mentions Lucas Maurice Lucas great numbers in the decade Lionel Hollins another guy when you watch those those games out of the 70s a guy who plays outside his generation handles the ball manages the offense I gets wish I could shots, watch that. gets shots at you can't I mean just you, you just gotta do the research I'm sorry to say <laughs> That is not my problem. You want to talk about research, Corey? I am not going to make your problems my problem. But <laughs> Lionel Hollins is a guy who played outside of his generation, was advanced in how he played the game. Nonetheless, Sidney Wicks is my pick for MVP of the 1970s mm. decade mm. for the Portland Trailblazers. Okay, I who like wants to it. go first? Oh, go for it. I'll go for it, man. I know I like Corey's pick. You got a, you got a guy that was a four-time All-Star in the five seasons. He was in Portland. Averaged over 20 points a game in four of those five seasons. It's a great pick. It is tough. I, I, I like your argument about Bill Walton. Um, how it, it, The championship aspect, I, I feel like I'm attached to a little bit more. Sure. Um, 
the stats, you know, I feel like there are a lot of great players in the league nowadays that always put up good numbers, but I feel like your legacy is defined not only by your stats, it's defined by, you know, your wins and your championships and so on. So it's hard for me to not pick Bill, but I, I, I hear your argument, and I do think Sidney Wicks is a good pick, and I, I appreciate that you mentioned Jeff Petrie, another two-time All-Star, but um, I would have gone Bill Walton myself. Tyler, Just real quick. Uh, Bill Walton was drafted in 1974. The Blazers won the championship in 1976-1977 season. On the championship team, he averaged 18.6 points, 14.4 rebounds, and 3.8 assists. And one steal. Uh, oh, sorry, three blocks as well. So um, the guy was... Your guy played till 75, 74? That's correct. Yeah, that's all, that's four years of the decade. Bill Walton was five, there five, from... Five, five, five. Five, okay, sorry. Bill Walton okay. was there for the other five, and during that five won a championship. I'm sorry, you're wrong. Hey, and Bill Bill was a great player. I do not want to... Picking Sidney Wicks does not devalue Bill Walton's impact on the franchise as a whole. He was a great player, embraced the city of Portland, and nobody has had a bigger impact in establishing the culture of the Portland Trailblazers as Bill Walton. That being said, I think it is overstated. And a cha- I, I take that back. The championship cannot be overstated. Bill Walton's individual impact can be overstated. And I also want to shout out a special guy. In terms of establishing culture, which I mentioned earlier, Larry Steele, a guy nine seasons, Connor. all with Portland in the 1970s, nothing flashy, eight points per game, almost three assists per game, almost three rebounds per game. A guy who's well-known in the Pacific Northwest circles mm-hmm. of basketball. Yep. Didn't do too much, but those are the kinds of guys that people in the Northwest love. And they like to resonate. They like to recognize people on the team Fair. who they can root right. for, who they can, they can get behind, who they can get to know their personality, their family. And I think that goes a long ways. When you get a new franchise in a new corner of the country, a guy like Larry Steele, who's constant throughout that whole decade, only played nine seasons, like I said, not not a huge contributor, but does enough to stick around with the organization. I think that goes a long ways in establishing a, a great organization. And, I you got, and you got that number up in the rafters. That's absolutely. absolutely true. And shout out, I think he holds the record for most steals in one NBA game at 11. That's so big that's, deal. that's pretty cool too. One thing I will note uh, before we move on, uh, an argument to me against Sidney Wicks, unfortunately, is that the ABA and NBA didn't merge till 1976, and so he's avoiding <laughs> players like Julius Irving and Moses Malone, sure. um, George Gervin, Rick Barry, all pretty damn good players. And I'm not saying that to take anything away from Sidney, but I don't think Bill Walton had that same luxury to avoid any of those kind of players. I think either is a great choice. I think you all provided great analysis on why. Absolutely. And let's move on to the next topic of the decade. Tyler, we're going to you for this one. It's the best team or season of the decade. And unfortunately for you, this isn't too hard of a choice. So try not to shock us. Yeah, I kind of love this one. The 1976-77 Portland Trailblazers, coached by Dr. Jack Ramsey, who won the championship in 1977 to bring the Blazers the only championship of their franchise franchise history. Yep, They won the first round of the NBA Western Conference 2-1 to versus the Chicago Bulls, then went on to the conference semifinals, beat the Denver Nuggets 4-2, to then went on, pr- on to the Western Conference Finals, and then swept the Lakers. Mm. That mm. always sounds good. good. That's good. That's swept them. I like that. <laughs> and then so. went to the NBA Finals, beat the Philadelphia 76ers 4-2, to led by Mr. Bill Walton. Um, just a, just an easy choice, a, a great moment in our history, something I wish I was there for. My dad mm-hmm. knows exactly where he was. I've heard yeah. a bunch of stories about it. I mean, 
Hopefully one day Dame can bring it to us, but it was a it was a great great time to be a Blazer fan. Yeah. You can't disagree with that one. I don't think it's a championship, man. It's you it's can, a championship. You can't disagree. And and what it does in terms of the culture as well is, I think for people like us who were obviously not alive at that time, but our fathers were, and a lot of them were here in Portland during that time, they can tell us what it's like to actually have that championship. Per- parade and it preserves hope if you've never won one in a city um not like i guess we haven't personally but there is that hope that it can be done sure the league's changing but it's been done here once before we can have that one in a hundred season you know for me it kind of makes me believe that we'll be tasting that sweet sweet champagne and beer oh it drives me every day drives me every day it it really is all right that one's uh not too hard like we were mentioning kyle i want to go to you for the next one here heart and soul player of the decade um for the blaze in the 70s here yeah uh this was a this was a tough one just being that you know obviously i wasn't alive during this time so it i makes it tougher I, it makes it definitely makes it tougher <laughs> um he was mentioned a little bit earlier when Corey was going on his rant but i got to go with maurice <laughs> lucas uh a guy that i me personally did not really realize how good of numbers this guy put up in his career i always knew him as the enforcer which and there's that you know the iconic photograph of him with the fists up you know what i mean like the guy that's yeah, yeah, gonna yeah. you know go to war for for the team so I'm picking Maurice Lucas. He seems like the heart and soul guy of that decade as far as, you know, the, the guy that's going to stand up for everyone on his team. But he also put up great stats, which I was not aware of. But that's my choice. And I think we saw a lot about what Maurice Lucas meant to Portland when he uh, passed away a couple years back. And um, especially from that generation that got to watch him yep. um, as kids or even as adults at that time, you really saw an outpouring um, from the community despite him only playing four seasons in the Rose City. Yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, a memory of mine is he was at G.I. Joe's in Sherwood back in the day. And he signed my basketball there. And then after that, grew up um, being a Blazer fan, heard some good stories about Maurice Lucas, like how he was just a stand-up guy. Um uh, just a good dude, like would help out for people, like look out for people. Um, a community, figure. a community guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, and that's the kind of stuff, thing yeah. in, in, a, in a small market like Portland. Just, just goes such a long way. Yeah. That's what you're alluding to, with Larry Steele, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's seeing yourself in a person that is so much more athletically superior. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I hate to admit that. No. I hate <laughs> to admit that. <laughs> well, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Your tryouts next week. Um, <laughs> good luck on that. Uh, the last category for the 70s here, and I'm going to take this one, is the favorite moment of the decade. And so going through old videos, I think it's only right to start with the enforcer we were just talking about. Maurice Lucas squares off against Daryl Dawkins, and I'm not talking in a good battle down low or at the elbow. No, we're talking fisticuffs here, folks. We're talking fisticuffs. Daryl Dawkins lays a cheap shot on, I, f- I forget who the exact blazer was. Might have been Dave Twardzik. Um, in the 77 finals during game two, uh, while Philly's already up by quite a bit, ready to win this game, um, takes out our player on a fast break. Maurice Lucas comes out of nowhere, lays a flying elbow to Daryl Dawkins' head. And please, folks, right now, Look up Daryl Dawkins. Yeah. That's a big oh, yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. a small and a man. scary no. guy. Yeah. Maurice Lucas, big man, scary guy. Yeah, Those well two went out. <laughs> yes, he was. Those two went at it. And um, I think Maurice got the better of him in this one. And the more key portion of this story is that the Blazers end up losing that game too. But every player from that team, as well as the executives, fans at that time, said you felt the momentum turn in the title season right there in that moment. It felt like they came together, went on to win the next four games and win that series 4-2 in six games. So I got to go with my favorite moment being that Maurice Lucas turning the finals on one punch per se. But (laughs) an honorable mention here, because it's become – 
the definition of our culture. Bill Shonley invents the t- phrase Rip City. The name has stuck, and I truly, me personally, for some reason, that name I identify with so much. It gives mm-hmm. me so much pride to Absolutely. hear the term Rip City and know that it represents our team and our fan base. So those are the two moments, I think, from the 70s that really stick out to how me. Many, how many pay-per-views do you think uh, Maurice Lucas and Joe Dawkins would have done at the zone nowadays? Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> Legitimately three or four. Tyson, oh, Ty- Tyson Fury, I mean, uh, Fury Wilder-esque, I think, yeah, I think I it's safe to I say. Agree. All right, moving on to the 1980s here, starting on the 80-81 season, running through 89 and 90. Very interesting decade here, as, of course, this is the decade that brings Paul Allen into the ownership position in 1988. Uh, takes over the Blazers at age 35 for the cool price of $70 million. So, the, the good Time news here... money, what's that now? No, 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 wait, good news <laughs> is here, folks. We have 11 years. Corey, you have less, sorry. Nine. Nine years. Yeah. To make $70 million and <laughs> buy a franchise. And now it's going to be like four hundred. No problem. Right. We have time is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, we can catch Paul still. But <laughs> in the 1980s here, I want to start this time with Tyler getting to answer who the MVP of the decade was. Yes. Yeah, so another decently easy one for me. I'm going to go Clyde Drexler on this one. He was drafted in the 1983 to 84 season. And really broke out in the 87-88 season, where he was averaging 27 points, 8 rebounds, and 6 assists. The guy turned our team around to having a 59 or a 30 and 60, or no, sorry, 54 record to a 59 and 23 record in the Woo! second in the NBA Pacific Division, led by Rick Adelman. The guy's a stud. We all know about Clyde Drexler. Um, I wish I could have grown up watching him. Uh, little. I did this um, research next to my dad, by the way. Oh, so okay. So shout out that's my dad. Good. No, that's good. No, Jerry Baggins. Some perspective. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And, and yeah. it helped a ton. And what he said was crazy athlete with clutch gene is basically what it broke it down to. Good combo. And, yeah. So. And there might be a little bias here, but the way I've heard it told is Clyde was the second best shooting guard in the NBA. Unfortunately, the best one was Michael Jordan. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, he's okay. there wasn't much of a uh, but very comparison. Well, very well respected. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. I think people commonly agreed he was kind of the second best version of MJ at the time. Just mm-hmm. unfortunately, that first best version was pretty damn good. Yep. Um, yep. All right, best team or season of the decade? Because I think we can all agree on Clyde there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, the Clyde oh, yeah. is tough. No doubt. Tough yeah. to beat. Um, I'm going to go with the 89-90 Blazers. Pretty easy choice here as well. It's the second finals appearance in franchise history where the Blazers get off to a hot start. They win the first game in Detroit. Um, or, I mean, game two in Detroit. They steal one of the games in Detroit and then go on to lose four straight. Um, unfortunately, mm. losing that one in five Bad boy Pistons grabbed their first championship out of two. Um, But that team was really special, led by Clyde Drexler. I think Terry Porter was on the team. And from what I've read about the real key ignition to this team was Buck Williams. When he came over from the Nets, it sounds like getting rid of Kiki Vanderway, despite his legendary performances and putting an emphasis on kind of chemistry and defense really led to a special season for 89-90. Just the starting five on that team was Clyde, Terry Porter, Jerome Kersey, Buck Williams, and Kevin Duckworth. All studs. All studs under the age of 30. Everyone knows those names. And just a brick wall. And then you had... Yeah, that is... God bless. 23-year-old Cliff Robinson off the bench, too. Just so Oh, That'll God. do it. You yeah. are not wanting to meet any of them in the paint. No, no you are no. not. No, you are not. Uh, Kyle, I want to go to you for the favorite moment of the decade here. Favorite moment of the decade. So I, again, had to do some research here. Yeah. Thank um, you for doing this, guys. I yeah, I mean, we had to. We weren't alive during this time. So I decided to go with the Billy Ray B- 
Billy Ray Bates, sorry, buzzer beater in the 1980s playoffs against the Sonics. And like to me, when I was going through this research, I was like, it was against the Sonics, like against yep. the Seattle rival. Like it's in the playoffs. Like there's no way. What it, round? Uh, I I honestly don't remember. I thought it was second. <laughs> I wasn't alive, Tyler. <laughs> well, maybe a little research will help. Now. I know. Why? <laughs> <laughs> no, I. You know what? <laughs> God bless. Uh, I agree completely about the fact that it was against the Sonics and the fact that it was um in the playoffs has to Sometimes matter. Sometimes I hate myself. You know. <laughs> well. At least busy guy. Billy Ray Bates showed the clutch gene. Kyle, not so much. So we're going to move this one <laughs> on to Corey Van Domlin, um, hard soul <laughs> player of the decade. Uh, Corey, right. who you got? This who? one, first of all, this category I could not love anymore because yeah. we look at MVP, we look at favorite moments, but I don't think that totally encompasses what we appreciate as Blazer fans. When I think about heart and soul players there's a litany of names that come to mind and i can't think of a guy who represents rip city in the heart more than jerome kersey mm. yep. and mm. like like these other guys have said we were not alive in the 80s so we are you know maybe a little uh, oblivious to kind of the full impact you yep. weren't oh sorry yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's <all> <laughs> strictly research here but um but in terms of just the absolute punishment that he laid down on opponents, on coaches, and on the rim. God bless America. <laughs> the man was just a force in the paint, yep. a great teammate. And you saw it, as Connor mentioned before, in just the outpouring of love that was shown by the Portland community and the and the, even the greater Northwest and the NBA community as a whole. Um, and aside from that, you look at guys, you know, aside from Jerome Kersey, a Kevin Duckworth, a Buck Williams, who were just forces for those great 80s Blazer teams yep. who, who were enforcers who took no crap from guys in the paint. And that's what you for it's it's a weird dynamic to be a, a Blazer fan because you you kind of identify with your players and you want them to kind of raise the level and, and give some notoriety to our region and to want to be in the news, want to be in that national spotlight. And those guys did that every single take every single week just took no crap. Right. I, 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 I and I wanna even, you know, give more praise to him. A guy that averaged 19, 17, and 16 for three straight seasons, shooting over forty seven percent for mm-hmm. for those three seasons. Like a guy that I agree, heart and soul player, but also, you know, loaded up the stat sheet at times. Yep. And another thing got better and better with every year. Which yeah. I, as you look at kind of the culture that the Blazers have established and have maintained throughout the years, it's of drafting guys or of or of acquiring guys who improve year over year. It goes points per game increase every year until into his into his later years, but his rebounds per game too, leading the team, leading the league, just being a guy that you can depend on, a real lunch pail type that you never have to question about his effort, about his intensity, mm-hmm. about his commitment. So. I think for those reasons, he's my heart and soul player of the decade without question. Right on. I think those are great choices. And and so far through this portion of the podcast, I think two things have kind of come to light. One being that the four voices you're hearing right now, we've established none of us born in the 80s or earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sorry. other thing we've established, I think, is as Portland fans being a smaller market, you tend to get a little bit of like a little man syndrome a yeah. little bit. You want to be heard. And so when you have these guys standing up for you and taking no crap, as Corey's mentioned, um, I think you really feel like someone's taking notice of you as a fan base or whatnot or a smaller market. And so you have a natural tie to guys like that. Um, let's move into an era we were born in. The 90s gives us a little bit more reference. Um Woo. <laughs> I'm going to start us off here with the MVP of the decade. And and I think it's safe to just get this out of the way quick. Clyde the Glide again yep. uh, is the right mm-hmm. choice here. But 
we haven't had a chance yet to talk about Terry Porter. So let's just take this moment to talk about another guy who maybe was a little bit better than a role player, but really was um, kind of a key for Portland's run to those finals and and really became from the last pick of the second round, one of the best point guards um, in the NBA during his era. Is it fair to say the uh, the the CJ McCollum to Damian Lillard is is that Ooh, a fair comparison? I, think, I like that. Yeah. I think yeah. that's sorts, fair. Yeah. I yeah, think they had sorts. a couple better role players that picked up a little more slack, but I think Terry was the same importance as CJ. I would is agree, to if not even like more that. important. Yeah, yeah possibly. Yeah, because the first thing that my dad brought up when I mentioned Terry Porter's name was was clutch. I know I said the same thing about Clyde, but. Uh, Terry just hit well-timed threes, and like when Clyde would drive to the basket at the end of the game and hit a wide-open guy, Terry, he's just going to knock it down. Mm. So that's the, I mean, that's a probably th- probably a little more clutch than CJ. CJ is clutch in his own right. Don't get me wrong, game but seven. but made bigger threes. I guess it's Shout different. Um, knock down threes for Clyde. I mean, he helped him. So yeah, I don't know. I no, I think that's a good point, and and I think. Um, Terry, along with kind of the five starters specifically we mentioned, really set the tone for that team. So you can't really go wrong with any of those five uh, starters from either of those finals teams. Speaking of the best teams of the decade, Kyle, you have kind of a curveball here, in my opinion, but I I think you're on to something. Can you let us know your uh, best team or season of the decade? Best team. I got to go with the 1990 to 1991 Blazers team, a team that made the Western Conference Finals, unfortunately losing to the Lakers. It it really hurts Uh, to say that. How many games? Uh, it was we lost two four, oh, so it was a good series. You know, yeah. we put up a fight, but a team that you know we finished first in the in the division again. Uh, a, a great team. We we alluded to the starting lineup um, earlier, where it was uh, who was it? Clyde Terry. Uh, Duckworth, Drum Kersey, Buck Williams, Williams. Kersey, Buck Williams, you know, same guys, almost yep. same team, but you know, another iconic team. Unfortunately, we weren't able to make it to the finals that year, but just a great overall team. I think they made it the furthest out of any other team in the nineties. So, and, and I think, did you already mention going into the playoffs, the best record in the NBA, best record in the NBA, first in the division, 63, 19. Love that. Love that. That's, mm, that's a lot of wins right, right there. That's a that's lot, lot of wins right there. <laughs> Not mad about that one. Yep. Um, Corey coming over to you. Favorite moment of the decade? You have a lot to live up to after the 80s. Favorite moment of the decade? I'm going to go with that team that Kyle chose, that 1990-1991 team. And this is what is known as the perfect quarter. For those of you who are not alive, I I implore you, <laughs> go to your local YouTube channel. <laughs> search the perfect quarter. I don't even think you need to search Portland Trailblazers because it's, because it's that well known. This is November 25th, 1990 versus San Antonio. God bless America. You have not seen a display of basketball like this in your life. 49 points Woo! in a quarter. Mm. Terry Porter on the quarter, 10 assists. Drexler with 15. Kevin Duckworth with 12. Five for five from Damn. three points. They had over six steals. Let me tell you, if you want to watch some beautiful basketball being played in, in an era where they pride themselves on toughness, on effort, on execution, the perfect quarter is the epitome of basketball as it was meant to be played. And that that perfect quarter in that 1990 team, that November night against the Spurs, is exactly what Dr. James Naismith envisioned when he invented this beautiful mm. game. <laughs> An equally beautiful description and delivery there from the real CVD. Thank you. I don't know. Does anyone have anything to add? Kyle's over here wiping off his tears. I, I don't. I mean, yeah, I'm that just, was beautiful. I'm so, I'm so was, happy to hear it. You know, yeah. hey, it's magical. Let's try to, to let's let's all try to move on. Um, <laughs> clean up. Yeah. <laughs> Heart and soul player of the decade. <laughs> We're going over to you, Ty. Uh, this name might sound familiar. Yes. So a man that is worth two decades. I Jerome, think that's well said. Uh, thank you. Jerome Kersey. 
so the the man was drafted at 22 years old in 1984-1985 season, and then played until the 1994-95 season with the Blazers before at age 32 before he was traded to the Lakers via my dad. So yeah. don't quote me on that. Um, nice. No, that's so, perfect. Yeah. So Thanks, then Jerry. traded to the Lakers. Uh, tr- it doesn't matter what what year it was. And it just matters when Jerome Kersey was on the court. He was the heart and soul player of that team. Sure. All over the floor, diving anywhere, playing um, defense, never backing down to any challenges. Um, we'll guard a guy twice his height. Doesn't matter. It's Jerome Kersey. This just is what it is. I I love that take, Tyler. I, and I have one guy I want to mention because we haven't brought him up yet. I know he may not have had the same impact in Portland, but Drazan Petrovic, okay. a guy, oh, uh, a guy that was you know drafted by the Blazers, a guy that I think we need to pay respects for as far as bringing him up during this you know Thank review you. of the decade. So yeah, but that, I love the take. I'm not disagreeing. Rightfully so, a member of the National Basketball Hall of Fame. So that's a pretty good shout out by you there, Kyle. Good choice, Ty. Let's move into the 2000s here. Getting Corey in the mood for Sunday's game. We're going to review early 2000s decade. The electric here. time of basketball. <laughs> That's right, Kyle. It was electric. And can you tell me which player you think defined electricity in this era <laughs> as the MVP of the decade? Connor, there really is only one true choice in this mm-hmm. situation. Mm. And it's mm. the obvious choice. I'm not going to lie. We drafted him in 2006, right after the Jail Blazers era. We got to go with my man. Brandon Roy. Oh, the natural. It's, it's the like natural. The natural. The natural from 30 feet. The guy that me personally was uh, probably the closest connection I had to a basketball player for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it probably would have been my closest connection if his career wasn't cut short. It, it's really unfortunate and it yep. you know makes me cry Don't almost every me time I talk about right it. Now, Kyle. Yeah. Um, but Brandon Roy, just a guy that friend. I think all of us, especially growing up in this generation, can really connect to. A guy that you know was the leader of our team, really took us out of the Jail Blazers era. You know, a guy that averaged, you know, what? let's see, 16, 19, 22, 21 points a game, three-time All-Star, a guy that I just am so attached to, the number seven, no one of the Blazers better. They, they can't wear it, all right? No. It needs to be in the rafters. It drives me crazy every time I go to the Rose Garden that it's not up there. But Brandon Roy, that's my pick. I mean, that's a great choice to me. I think you have no arguments against you. No, yeah, thank you. I don't thank think you. so. Yeah. Let me put it that way. There yeah. are some other guys. Don't get me wrong. You know, there even is, the guys are in the jail boys mm-hmm. here. There's a lot of great players that we have, but <clears throat> unfortunately, when it comes to the impact, the legacy in the for Portland in general, it, it's got to be Randall Roy. I right? mean, he was a, he was legitimately the guiding light out of the rebuilding phase and mm-hmm. and brought us into kind of the phase we're still in and being competitive and being a really scrappy Western Conference. I don't know, borderline contender that yep. might be even bold. Agreed. But it also holds he holds some extra significance to the whole Pacific Northwest being a guy that went to UW. And uh, I believe played all four years there. I might be wrong, mm-hmm. but um, and made a deep run in the tournament. We'll remember with Nate Robinson. Uh, I think he's always kind of had a tie um, in this Pacific Northwest area, and specifically once Seattle had their team kind of stolen from them. Um, well I think said. a lot of people found a, at least a partial attachment with Brandon Roy and kind of For the sure. Portland Trailblazers as devastating as that robbery was. By the way, I think I mentioned that we drafted him. We un- we did not draft him. Can a trivia question, who did we draft and who did we trade for Brandon Roy? Randy Foy. Exactly. At Sorry. number eight. So I, I missed knew it was a Villanova earlier, guy. I we, was, yeah. Who did we trade for LaMarcus Aldridge? Oh, Tyrus Thomas. 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 Ah! Chicago Bulls. <laughs> and who was the second piece of that trade? 
Oh, Victor Criapa. Oh, oh. oh. for you. Off, Connor. Jokes all off top. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> all off top. That did not read anything. I, I did say we drafted him, but we got him on draft. I didn't know night, the Brandon Royal. I knew the yeah. new Lamarcus one. I didn't know the Brandon one. Good for yeah, you guys. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Um, Randy Foy. But I think name. I think you summed it up well. No arguments coming from us. Brandon no. Roy definitely carries the emotional attachment from most of our generation with the Portland Trailblazer fans. Um, in terms of the team and season, though, Corey, there were a couple that stuck out in this era despite being called the Jailblazers. Um, what, which one was most impactful to you? There are, and this was a great, great generation of Blazer teams. One that was, in, like I've mentioned before, in my formative years of kind of establishing my fanhood as a Blazer, um, yep. Blazer loyal, fa Blazer faithful. Um, but the 08-09 team sticks out to me. 54 wins in the regular season. Nate McMillan at the helm fell to the Rockets in the semifinals. Um, when we look at this team, first in offensive rating with the 30th ranked pace for offense. And you want to talk about how that compares to our, our modern Blazers? <laughs> like you, and I, I, This is a big-time credit to the ownership of the Blazers and their willingness to you know, yep. be flexible and dynamic and all that. But this is a great Blazer team. You, you got B-Roy, L.A., Travis Outlaw, who averaged 12.8 and four, four rebounds a game. Rudy Fernandez in double digits. Steve Blake in double digits. Points per game. I would have not guessed that Steve Blake averaged double digits points per game ever. And even a, a young Greg Odin at almost nine points a game and seven rebounds a game. Just coming into his own, just establishing himself with a Brandon Roy who is, I, I'm not going to say at his peak, but he is pretty damn good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, pretty yeah. Damn good at leading, and unfortunately, kind of the downfall. Like a lot of these two thousands teams, they perform very well. We got four fifty wins, or I think five five fifty win seasons in the two thousands, and none of them made it past the second round. Mm. And while that is disappointing as a Blazer fan, I think that is kind of indicative of being a, a Blazer <laughs> fan. Blazer fan, you know. Of enjoying that regular season, enjoying those the, <laughs> yeah. those Tuesday Wednesday nights when it's a packed house, and for some reason Travis Outlaw hits six threes, yeah. and 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 Rudy and Rudy has a reverse dunk and and a yeah. steal it right at the end of the half, and yep. and and just lights the crowd on fire. Um, but this this season in particular, you know, just uh, in in as a whole in the decade, just a so many beloved teams, so many beloved personalities, but overall kind of underachieving when you look at the playoff perspective of it which is unfortunate but does not does not kind of hurt and and a special shout out to our guy now that i'm looking at this prisbilla led the oh, league the in gorilla prisbilla yeah the vanilla the gorilla thriller. joel prisbilla led the league in total rebound percentage played all 82 games hey, i just want you to know i changed our twitter profile picture because you came at us with the, the old Portland it's now joel prisbilla and, and, and that's honestly bleeding from the face um, just a much, giving it all a much place. better picture and i i think much more representative of Blazer fanhood as a whole. I, I'm, I'm not going to say anything yeah. about Myers as a person, but as as <laughs> a bla as, as a, a blaze as a blazer, I think uh, Joel Prisbilla is a better representative of the blazer spirit. All right, there we right. go. There you go. How about well that? Said. And you had the nice. duo. You had the Spanish Armada during this season. Oh my God. Sergio Rodriguez and Rudy Fernandez. I love it. Yeah, pure electricity. I I miss Rudy still. I'm not going to lie. I loved Rudy. I was all in on that era. Yep. Oh, um, yeah. Tyler, favorite moment moment of this decade. And there's a couple to choose from that I know stick out from our childhood, so I'm excited to see who, yeah. you, which probably, one. You pick. I'm probably going somewhere where you're probably not thinking I'm going. Oh, I like it. Um, Surprise me. In the 2000 to 2010 decade, not a lot of winning success. We had the Jail Blazers era halfway through that, and then we kind of turned it around 
fired our coach, hired Nate McMillan in the 05 season, drafted uh, LaMarcus Aldridge and B-Roy, and things started to turn around for us until Greg Oden fractured his patella tendon, but that's another story. Not important. So <laughs> when, when, important. when we talk about favorite moment of the decade, I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to kind of twist it into maybe kind of hilarious moment of the decade. Important Love it. Moment? Significant. Yeah, I'm just going to kind of roll with it. Sure. In November 2002... Rashid Wallace and Damon Stoudemire were pulled over in the infamous Yellow Hummer on I-5 incident. Who could forget? Following a game where they beat the Seattle Sonics 89-85. to 80, Hell yeah. They went on to say, hey, coach, I'm not going to take the bus. We're just, we're just going to drive ourselves home. Totally normal. So, so yeah, they, they hop in the Yellow Hummer. They're just going to drive the Hummer, them. Man. Sure, yeah. Rashid. Hey, coach, it's a Hummer. Hey, Damon Stoudemire, rational. Rashid Wallace, totally cool guys. There's, we're just going to drive home, coach. We got this. Mike Dunleavy. Okay. Uh, hop, yeah. hop in the also, Hummer. Hop really in the Hummer. They get pulled over going 84 and a 70 in Seattle. Actually, not bad. That's only four. Really pretty bad. surprising, yeah. honestly. 12.02 a.m. Were they being targeted? It's probably because oh, it was a Hummer. They, we can ask, these are the hard questions. Oh, the, the cops said they smelt, air quotes, smelt marijuana coming from the car mm. they ended up finding 40 grams <laughs> <laughs> it's been 15 years small, later, <laughs> small amount uh 40 grams they were then um actually allowed weed is that a lot or a little that's a decent amount it's over an ounce great that's thank you tyler that's our, yeah. our resident expert yeah <laughs> I, I got you i got you it's an ounce and a half all right <laughs> god damn it <laughs> um i'm sorry i'm sorry well, misdemeanor possession allowed to drive home just you know, well, that's actually yeah. calm. Nice. So yeah. no, no good DUI. Context. Yeah, so good context. Um, I just thought it was kind of a monument, maybe not monumental, but something we all remember. Mm-hmm. And without a lot of winning success in the 2000 2010 seasons, I'm going to go ahead and go with the the Yellow Hummer incident. That's yeah, uh, sorry to interrupt there, Connor. Oh. I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. Because um, <laughs> I smell, a, uh, are you Kyle? <laughs> I smell beef. I'm going to because in 2010, that's when B Roy came off the bench. Against the Phoenix Suns, eight days after that meniscus tear. Connor alluded to it earlier before we were on the pod. Just a brilliant moment in Blazers history. Uh, again, from the guy that I I dictated or I called the MVP of the decade. Um, I feel like that is a much more impactful moment uh, as a Blazer fan than okay. guys getting pulled over. For I mean, Tyler. ended up going to lose the series two to four against the Suns. Tyler, so yeah, that one game point, was so, cool so every time the Blazers I mean, lose saying, the series, they lost first all round of a sudden you're just going to say it's not important. So every no, time it's lose, super it, important, but uh-huh. mine was mm-hmm. better. Yeah, okay. If I may, I think that November 2002, pulling over, Damon Stoudemire, I was a, a young 10-year-old Corey yeah. at the time. Damon Stoudemire being my favorite player. Being the only player that I had a jersey of, kind of dating yourself there. This is yeah, yeah, right. Old balls. Here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that it really did kind of break that childhood, like you know, veneer of love for like that NBA player that you you look up to, like you know, ridiculously, like that you're like, man, he's my favorite player. They must be a great guy. They must <laughs> they, they must do all the same things I do. I'm sure they love all the same stuff. And like, they'd, they'd be fun to hang out I'm with. I'm sure and, they love hopscotch. And I, I, and I remember, and, shit. and the thing was, I remember seeing guys who, you know, had drug possessions or had, you know, stuff go on. Like that, it happens. This yep. professional athletes, that, that kind of stuff happens. People make mistakes. But to have it be Damon Stoudemire, who was a Portlander, uh, a, a Wilson High guy who I looked up to, a smaller, a, a point guard type like myself, yep. I it really did break that wall that I was like, man, that's actually not great. <laughs> yeah. It was like a real bummer, like you know, to be a fan. I am, I am very much a loyal Blazer fan who will put my fanhood over kind of the decisions most of the time. Like, well, maybe you know, we didn't understand the context. Maybe uh, they were with other people who yes. it was theirs. Uh-huh. And to see that go down, I remember like 
I so distinctly remember being like, wait, that wasn't Damon. Maybe maybe it was somebody else. But wait, you oh, like it was such a bummer at the time. And, and so, that kind of shows the impact these. It guys was have. It, like I said, it was a very impactful time. So I I I do hear that um, that argument there, Tyler. Yeah, it kind of interesting. You weren't as surprised with Rashid. Not important. <laughs> <laughs> Great player. Real quick. Great player. While we're in this air, do you guys remember when uh, McDonald sold the the blow-up basketballs um, with Damon Sotomayor? Brian Grant was one of them. Yeah. Do you guys remember those? Yeah. Are talking I about the glasses? The, or no, the, like the little, like they were like little got rubber basketballs set. that you got at McDonald's. Uh-huh. Yeah, court. Yeah, yeah. He, it was hard he, for yeah. me to see well, the face because I'm too busy flushing it on your head. <laughs> That's, geez, let's not be ugly. Let's <laughs> you know, not like, be ugly. Connor's we don't being, need to lie. Connor's being ugly. In front of everybody. Right. That's know, just, being ugly. Let's move on to Connor, <laughs> Connor. I remember distinctively outside at Connor's house, he needed a little uh, uh, a cardboard or not cardboard, but a little box to help him dunk on on his uh, on his hoop when it was at its lowest. Yeah. So I don't see how that's possible. Connor's Always been more of a pump fit guy. Connor's good eye was working that day. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. you. Heart and soul. The 2000s here. (laughs) I'm going to take this one. I've brought him up a couple times. I'm going with Rasheed Wallace. He's, he's, I'm still getting over it. I'm still, still getting over it a little bit over here. Rasheed literally invented the, uh, the jailblazers, in my opinion. Of course, he had help from his friends, Bonzi Wells, Damon Stoudemire, aforementioned Darius Miles, too. But I think without Sheed uh, and guys like Zebo, you really don't get kind of that reputation of being a good team, but not really giving oh. a shit about what people right. think. And in that, they yeah, were I the culture. It, yeah, they yeah. defined the culture. And, and let's point out, they were ballers. And ballers. I want to give an honorable Absolutely. mention for the heart and soul of this decade, Kevin Pritchard, um, the current general manager of the Oklahoma City Thunder, went through a stretch, unfortunately, with the Blazers where he found extremely talented players with red flags all over them. And as we saw with B-Roy and Greg Oden most specifically, but a lot of his other draft picks and signings as well, guys that ended up deteriorating towards the end of seasons and whatnot. So I think a lot of the successful portions of this era were unfortunately dictated or defined by Kevin Pritchard um, willing to risk it on guys with poor health backgrounds yeah. i mean well yeah. and, and rashid wallace type guy like you look at what we value in portland as you know tough guys and you, we talk about our jerome curses our buck williams our our kevin duckworth and we, you know rashid wallace is kind of vilified sometimes is because he's got the technical foul record and he can be disagreeable and you know he, all that stuff but you know then he goes to a place like detroit where they kind of embrace that and you worry that maybe we have too fine a line here in Portland that mm-hmm. maybe maybe we didn't understand him. So as and like you said, he was a baller. He put up numbers. You watch any game out of the nineties, I guarantee you Rashid is a, a vital cog in, in that there. team. Yeah. yeah, he's a vital cog. So it's like you almost kind of look back at how we perceived him in the nineties in that early sorry, in that two thousand sorry, that's what we're talking about. Um but and and almost like see yourself as a fan, be like, Man, maybe I misjudged Sheed and his impact and how well, if it was that. you that misjudged, then everyone misjudged because he's, yeah. he was still harmful to the team by how many techs he brought. True. But amazing and in talent. So yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you, but I just want to bring up that like everyone well misunderstood him. Sure, sure. If that was the case. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Let's move out of what was somewhat of a tougher decade, although many high points, into my personal favorite era. That's the one we just wrapped up here in this decade. 2010, 2011 season yeah. through the Woo! current season we're playing now, 2019, 2020. <laughs> 
All right, Corey, going to you first. Although I really don't want to. <laughs> after, the, after that barking, I don't yeah, know I what know. that was, but he's mad about the MVP, eye comment. Yeah, still, still <laughs> fucking pissed. Um, <laughs> going for the MVP of this decade. Um, you have a couple names listed here. Yeah, I have a couple names listed, and it's uh, in in order. It gets, it's going to go Damian Lillard. And then uh, Dame Dalla, followed by the letter O, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then in smaller print, B. Reich, because he did carry us into this early, this 2010-2011 season, uh, yeah. and had a great moment there against the Mavericks in the playoffs. But nonetheless, I cannot say enough about Damian Lillard, and because this is this is kind of my topic here, I'm just I'm I'm just gonna list off a few. Not not oh, only Blazer make me cry. related yeah. recognitions, five time All Star, Rookie of the Year. Uh. One of four players in history, in NBA history, not in Blazer history, in NBA history, to hit 14,000 points in his first eight seasons. Mm. One of three modern players, 10 ever, to notch 8,000 points and 2,000 assists in each of his first five seasons. Uh, if you can guess the other two, they're pretty good. Ever heard of them? Michael Jordan and LeBron James. I'm sorry, Russell Westbrook, you're not in the same category. <laughs> Steph Curry, you're not in the same Woo. category. Those are great players, but they are not. They are not, I repeat, Damian Lillard. He is 22nd all-time in three-pointers made with 1,718. Let me tell you, 2,000 puts him top 10 all-time. He is at 1,718. I don't think he's done yet. He has averaged more points in the playoffs than he has in the regular season every single year they've made the playoffs other than 2018. That, my friends, is exactly what you look for in a player in a leader, in somebody you build your whole team and organization around. And aside from that, he has embraced Portland. He has denied mm. every rumor. Amen. He has denied every rumor of wanting to leave, of oh, trade. Oh, that's the sweetest part. Of, of, oh, of, and especially of his teammates. And this is all despite best friends. And, like, you know, I don't know Dame. I, I can't say that I, you know, I'm personally close with him, but... According to you know social media and you know I follow the Blazers pretty closely, guys who were, from my end, seemingly close to him, J.J. Hickson, Tim Frazier, Ed Davis, Will Barton, Wes Matthews, all traded. We never heard a peep from Dame about how bummed he was that those guys left. And while I'm sure he was, while I'm sure that sucks to see your friends go, to see your friends traded, to see guys that you relied on, guys that you counted on, guys that you you know, went through the struggle with, had that adversity, that mutual hardship, and yet Dame never batted an eye, never never talked bad about ownership or Neil Olshay or Terry Stotts. He has been in this from the start, will be in it till the end. And I, you cannot ask for a better guy to represent the Blazers as, as a whole. I, I don't care if it's 2010, 2020, 2080. The guy is a consummate leader, a consummate professional and i couldn't ask for more we are and we say it all the time but we are, could not be luckier to have him in portland thank you for saying that i agree and it's obviously the right choice there yeah <laughs> kyle's kyle's really emotional <laughs> over damn. here we'll get back to him in a couple minutes uh it's it's obviously the right choice and i think you uh hit the nail on the head talking about what he does off the court for portland again we love someone who stands up for us as a smaller market and someone who pledges their loyalty i mean that's going 
an extra mile we haven't seen from a superstar. And we might not have ever seen a superstar like Dame outside of maybe Clyde. And even that's debatable at this point. No. Um, sorry, Dad. Anyway, <laughs> let's go to the best team and season of this decade. Tyler Bagenstoss. Yes. This falls to you. Yes. Who, which, which Blazer team you got? Yeah, tougher choice this time around. Uh, We've been giving you layups. Yeah, time you to have. test you here. But this time, I'm going to go... For best team and season, I got to go 2018-2019 season. The Western Conference final appearance. Unfortunate loss to the Warriors. Very recent in our Blazer minds and history. But what Dame did to carry us without a hurt Nurkic, <clears throat> going with, uh, rolling with a newly acquired Ennis Cantor, um, carrying us to the Western Conference finals, hitting the shot, that Corey was at Ugh. the step back three from yeah. what thirty five. It was a bad shot. Ask Paul George. I mean, he stepped back and hit a game winning shot <laughs> to go to the Western Conference Finals from forty feet. Well, well, I mean, semifinals. Semifinals. Yeah. semifinals. semifinals. Yeah. You know, do your research. That one if, if you did your research, hey, you would have. Known. How about if you listen? If you Western Conference Finals. You yeah, dumb. Yeah, no, no, but that shot was to the semifinals. Them to send us to the Western. If you would have listened, you would have used your ears. That shot sent them to the semifinals. Yeah. To the uh huh. Did you do your research? No, to <laughs> no, the no, semifinals no. to play the Nuggets in which that shot sent them McCollum. to play the Nuggets. Oh yeah, yeah. Put your oh, hand boy. in your face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah put your hand, hand up. up. Yeah, there it is. Wrong. We've got yeah, some chest tapping going on over there in Tyler's seat. Sometimes you have a million great takes. You have one bad one. God bless. I forgot that CJ had to go and win us the Denver series. Uh huh. Yep. Do your research. A honorable mention: Houston Rockets series. Honorable mention: Houston Rockets series. Maybe a more monumental shot making, getting us to the second round of the playoffs, which we hadn't been in a while. Dame Point announcing nine. himself to the national but, public. But, but yeah. it's just Dame Lillard once again, so. Yep, I, I think it's, yeah. Great choices despite that little uh, battle there. Yeah, yeah I, see, I hear you hand yeah. up, but oh, I but, mean, that doesn't mean it didn't but happen. But not, not even to mention, like, we, we bring up the shot, but we need to bring up everything else that happened in that series with cradling the baby, yeah. the shit talk between Dame and Russ. Just, mm -hmm. oh my God, the epitome of Dame. Like, why I love Damian Lillard so much, like that series is like pretty much the definition. And even of the way it. he well ended said. it with just not his facial expressions, just nothing. Right. Yeah. How could you have nothing? The the guy has ice, freezing ice water in yeah. his veins, freezing like not to, negative water. Not to mention going into the playoffs. I remember when we played the Sacramento Kings in the last game of the year. I was one of these people. I will fully admit. I was like, we need to lose this game. I don't want to play OKC. They killed us all regular season. Yes. I was like, yep. I don't want to play this team. Yep. They're like, fuck it. We're gonna beat. We're gonna play all of our bench players. Anthony's gonna drop thirty or whatever it yeah. was. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, bottom line is like it just defines the Blazers culture yeah. where we don't. They don't care what even we think as Blazer fans. Like they have such a a structured culture and they. All have such belief in themselves being this small market team, and Dame is just a leader of it, and it just makes me love him even more when he proves me wrong like that. So yeah, I, I just I cannot love Dame a little and the, more. And the context of the season, Kyle, you're so right, matters so much when you talk about Nurkic going down when he's playing at the peak of his game, and and the, the offense is flowing, Stotts' system is, and I mean, really starting to hit its stride, really cooking. And then it seems it seems like right as we you know, are hitting our stride and the Blazers are just going to set the league on fire, which they already are are very good. It just comes crumbling down seemingly, seemingly. And yet our our leader in Dame just says, no, 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 no. We are not done. Look at me. Look in my eyes. We are not done yet. And not only does he say that, 
but he follows through and he gets the belief of can guys. never doubt that guy. Yeah, of of CJ McCollum, of Enos, of of Rodney Hood, of guys who show up midseason oh. and aren't sure about Portland, who don't know anything about Portland from from Tacoma. And yet they get them to believe and buy in on what we've yeah. got going here. Yeah, you bring up Rodney Hood, man, like the, the three pointer in what, right? game two, double yeah, overtime two against four, Denver, fourth overtime yeah. hits that God clutch three. That, oh my God, dude! Just so many iconic moments Absolutely. from this decade. Yep, I think I think that's very true. And I mean, of course, I feel like we got to just shout out if we're talking about this season enough. Got to say, CJ McCollum one more time, yes. game oh seven against God. Denver. Oh I mean, it's definitely it's Look definitely Jamestown, Dame City, but. CJ definitely deserves a little bit of credit in what he provides. All right, Kyle, heart and soul player of this decade. Who you got? You know, I got to go with one of my favorite all-time Blazers, uh, a guy that was known in Rip City as the Iron Man, wearing number two, the undrafted player out of Marquette, Wesley Matthews, a guy that I I will admit his first season in Portland, I wasn't fully on board. He was a guy that, I personally just didn't really think think brought much to the table. I know he was playing. He was starting in uh, for Brandon Roy while Brandon Roy was injured. So he was getting a lot of minutes, and I think it was because I was such a big B-Roy fan, and he had such big shoes to fill. I was like, I don't really know about this guy. Like, I'm not really sure how I feel about him. But, you know, over time just became, again, one of my favorite Blazers of all time. Wesley Matthews, a guy that has shot, you know, 38% from three in his career. Just a guy that I fall in love with. The heart and soul of the team. The guy that was always playing hard on defense. Coming up with the big steals. Uh, he had that big steal in the playoff game. I, I'm, I'm Honestly, I'm struggling to remember. I know he had, like, that game-winning steal. Oh, yeah, against Houston. Games. It was against yeah. Houston. Houston in that series, yeah, he yes. stole the ball he had from the game-winning steal. Daniels, and then Dame, Dame dunked it at the buzzer despite us already winning the yeah, game. Yeah, it was yeah. beautiful. Corey, I think um, we went to that game together, maybe. You know, that's Wesley Matthews. That's my choice. I think uh, Wesley's a guy, too, for our generation at least and I know we've talked about this a little off the pod but he kind of defines this award maybe like Kyle and Corey both said the same thing when they read this uh, sheet and like kind of the heart and soul being one of the categories both of them were like Wesley is the first guy that came to mind I think a lot of our parents would say Maurice Lucas defines that award but for our generation I think this was Maurice Lucas unfortunately there was the Achilles tear we oh, all remember. I'll never Blazers forget it. are building what I think is their best. 2015 season, just to let you know. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Oh and God, I think dude. the Blazers are on their road to building the best team they've assembled since probably the 90s or 92 team with um, Dame Lillard, Rolo, LaMarcus, Nick Batum, and Wesley Matthews, Mo Williams coming off the bench, and, uh, you know, some help along with him. I kind of Darrell see- Wright, Thomas thank Robinson, you. Aaron Aflalo, Will oh, Barton, hi. Alan Crabb. Oh, will Barton, a young Will Barton. Oh, Alan Alonzo G. (laughs) Record scratch. Um, (laughs) No, but I I think we all remember that day. um, Aflalo getting traded, what, a week before to the Blazers? I know. Corey, did you happen to be in attendance when the Achilles popped? Yes, and like that... That experience, it, it, the only thing reminiscent of it was like, is the Nurk. I was there. Uh, I was there for Odin. I was there for Wes <laughs> Matthews. I was there for Nurk. And like the. the Shred o- your tickets. <laughs> no offense. Shred no, your hey, tickets. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> no, I'm But su- such as Blazer fanhood sometimes yeah. is, is that, that overwhelming sense of dread, that, that mutual hardship that you, that you feel in the, in the stadium when that goes down and you know. Especially that team was so starting lineup heavy that that those five like everybody felt it as much as you know we love that that whole Blazers team. We always knew that five. It was it yep. was it was a roller. It was coaster. something special. It was it was a roller coaster. We get up fifteen and then we put in the subs. 
and then it'd be a game, and then we put in the subs, yep. and then we we'd be up fifteen, and like it was, it was fun, and it was theater, but there was, was a torment. Spe- <laughs> it was yeah, it was it was also torment, and then, but again, such is Blazer fanhood, and that and and seeing like part of that starting five go down, and especially the like we've said the heart and soul player like Wes, who just so clearly is that high effort, high motor guy. It just oh, it, and, just, it and, tore and me apart. If we can take a positive from yeah. that Achilles injury, yep. That season we went in and made the playoffs. We had the, we were matched up with the Memphis Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Do we all remember that playoff series? We kind of got smoked. We got we, smacked. We, we yeah. got we got one win in there, but CJ came alive. CJ, yes, and yeah. so, and yes, majorly it was, alive. It was the time. Also. Myers legend playing defense against Marcus Soul. Oh he, man, he did yeah, not back down. And I remember yeah. coming after watching that series, going into the next season, which would have been the 2015-2016. I had never been higher on Myers after that. Yeah. Uh, I, I was stoked Fair. on him. 50-40-90 season, maybe. Uh, it he been. had one of those it somewhere in been. there. <laughs> but if if there's a positive, it's to take CJ flourishing against yeah, Memphis. Yeah, that way. Oh, yeah. True. Yes, great player. True. All right. Last category of the five decades of Blazer basketball goes to myself, and it's going to be the favorite moment of this decade. And man, that's hard to choose. So many. Uh, so many. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's two that pop right to the center of our minds, right? And they both involve Damian Lillard. Again, a quick shout out to CJ McCollum for that Game Seven performance. Uh, I'll never forget it. Yep. But yep. the 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 two I'm deciding between have already been mentioned: Damian Lillard versus OKC, waving goodbye. Or Damian Lillard versus Houston, <laughs> defining his legacy and kind of giving us a little view into the future, a look into the crystal ball of what Damian was going to become, which is a cold-blooded killer. I mean, killer. that's what he is. Yeah. Um, I'm going with the OKC shot, and yeah. I, it's a. I think it really is a toss-up here because one, defi- Dame gets his start. The other, though. The way him and Russ battled that whole series on and off the court, and to have a guy who can not only talk the talk, but legitimately walk the walk and stab the dagger through the chest. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's Arya Stark to the Cold King, yeah. Night King, whatever that <laughs> was called. Oh, my God. So, this guy didn't even watch Game of Thrones. This guy didn't even watch Game of Thrones. That's disrespectful, I, what you just did, yeah, kind of. The Night Walkers. Okay. I'll, um, let, I'll let it slide because it involves Damian Lillard. John Stark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> John Snow. John Stark. Damian. New York anyway, Knicks. Damian Lillard. Uh, kind of a star. And then but, to, Tyler brought this up, but to wave goodbye and then just go ice cold with the facial expression, I mean, and then he follows this up with a summer where he rap battles Marvin Bagley and Shaq. So he's <laughs> and murders just, him. He murders, murders. him. Dame is just on a war path at this point. I that is just he he cemented his spot. He I think that shot against OKC, maybe I was late to the party, but that's when he passed Brandon Roy for me as the best or my favorite blazer personally sure. of all time. No, I maybe agree I'm with late that. to the I party, but yeah. no, it took I agree. the second one because we had such a connection to B Roy. But Dame, I mean this dude it's is incredible. a blessing to Rip City. I, I think it's I, safe to say. I do want to say, though, on that Houston shot, people forget that LaMarcus was the first option on that one and that we look at that and you want to talk about that kind of weird dynamic that the Blazers played around Dame with. Dame said, give me the ball. Yeah, at that time. He's clapping. And, yes. and, and you look at it and that's why Dame is clapping how he is because he was not the first option. So he had to say, hey, 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 blah, 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 blah. And you look at it and like – if if you're not a longtime Blazer fan, uh, I mean, if, excuse me. If you are a longtime Blazer fan, and you look at that, you do look at that and say, maybe that's the changing of the guard, and this is the alpha has arrived. Like, uh-huh. oh, absolutely. He's been, he's, he's been in the room, but he decided uh-huh. to stand up, puff his chest out, and and let it, let the world know, let the team know, hey, I'm here. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. 
big dog. Yeah. 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 Well, and take as, a seat. <laughs> as we know, uh, not the next season, but the season after, LaMarcus Aldridge actually leaves Portland, and, and there's rumors. <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there there's rumors. Is. God bless. Uh, that, Thank you. Uh, LaMarcus was unhappy with how much attention Dame was kind of getting as the star of the I team. He's the bla- greatest blazer of all time. And then he leaves us. Um, but that's unimportant, I guess, in this case, because Dame's still here, and he's leading us yeah. every day, yeah. every yeah. single chance he gets. Before we leave the podcast and the review of the history, we do need to hit on two lowlights that are the reason you've heard some of this dread kind of hanging over maybe postseason performance. Corey had mentioned earlier in the podcast how the regular season always seems to be such a fun time, but the postseason has haunted us. Well, there's one particular point in the NBA season that has crippled the Portland Trailblazers franchise, and that's the NBA draft. We need to bring up the two most painful moments. Now, I've hid these in the back of the episode. We're an hour and about nine minutes in, so hopefully, you know, people are in a good mood. They're like, ah, just go enjoy my Monday here. (laughs) If you want to cut off here and enjoy the rest of your day, feel free. Thanks for listening. For those of you who want to wear it out and learn a little more, unfortunately, it starts in, I believe, 1984 is the draft. Could be off there. Oh, yeah. We don't Um, know. Sam Bowie. Yep. Okay, sorry. Let me start this right. Akeem Olajuwon gets taken first. A great choice, obviously. Kind of the obvious number one at that point um, because big men were still so valued. Number two, Portland Trailblazers are right there. They have a choice right now between the two-time National Player of the Year in college, um, Michael Jordan, or the generational big man from Kentucky (laughs) runs the floor like no one we've ever seen. Has had one or two leg surgeries already as a no 21, 22-year-old. Sam Bowie. Oh, man. Nice. He sounds good. And he did sound good, so the Blazers, the smart franchise we have shown to be in the draft room, go ahead and select Sam Bowie. Obviously, uh, we all know about Michael Jordan. I don't even want to expand there. It hurts too damn bad. Um, We also all don't know about Sam Bowie. Uh, Not going to expand there either. Then we move on to, was it 2007, where it's the Blazers... Right after Brandon Roy wins Rookie of the Year in 06, he shows up at the draft lottery, and the Blazers somehow get the number one pick. So at this point, as you can imagine, all of us in our youth, Brandon Roy's a god. He's bringing us a number one pick. He's playing with LaMarcus, who's showing a ton of potential. We've got the role players. Just promoted our GM at 07 year, Kevin Pritchard. Just promoted Kevin Pritchard, and the choice is ours. Kevin Durant or Greg Odin. So the Blazers... The, save it. I know we're okay, going yeah, with this, okay. and, and I, it needs to be said. Yeah. The Blazers go with Greg Oden here, and of course, in hindsight, that seems foolish, but Kyle, I think you have something you want to say. I mean, I don't even really consider it a hot take. I really don't. I don't think it's a hot take. I think it was the right pick it was at the, right, the pick. right time. It really was. I mean, it, we're I, wrong now, but it, it was the right pick. It was the right pick. A guy, a, a seven-footer, yeah. and I believe in his career was like 62-20 and 20 when he was playing the Blazers mm-hmm. lineup. That's how good we were. And I, I will specifically remember forever uh odin it was obviously not his rookie year because he was injured now for the whole season but his second year uh the first game that the blazers played that uh the trio in boston with ray allen paul pierce kevin garnett i remember going to that game and watching greg odin just put on a fucking show on oh. kevin garnett i think he he was like 22 and 12 or something like that it was along those lines i mean yeah. I'm, I'm spitting off the top of my head here but a guy that i truly believe if if injuries did not cripple him, a guy that would have been a legit, you know, one a generational talent at the center mm-hmm. position. I really mm-hmm. do believe that. Tyler, you have some thoughts. It looks like you're I mean, conflicted. It's, 
it's hard to get behind that take when you already know what happens with the career and all. But um, I I like to be on your side as a Blazer fan. Right. It's just hard to be. Well, we're talking Kevin Durant. We're, we're talking KD. We're going to say this out the loud, question, Tyler, but I just think it needs to be said because I think it's. You it, know what? I think yeah. the media. I'm I, all in. I think everyone. Right it's pick. so easy to look in hindsight and be like, mm-hmm. "Oh, what what the hell was Portland <clears> thinking at that like time?" Point, I don't think that was really the case. I think it was the right pick. It just didn't work out well, in our favor. At the time, I was clapping so hard. And I'd but, like to point out also that the. NBA in 2007 is not the NBA in 2019 where yes. we're hucking threes right. and playing yes. positionless yeah. basketball. I mean, it was just transitioning Everyone had to a that. center, and we had the rookie of the year at shooting guard in Brandon Roy, who right. himself was a 6'6 guard. I'm not saying that's not a good reason not to take Kevin Durant. Like we, Yes, Kevin Durant's one of the best. heavy yeah. league at the time. Right, and it's so we point. thought, yeah. we, thought we had our scorer. We thought we had our leader. We thought it might conflict is my suspicion and yeah. what we read. Oh, yeah. And that Greg Oden, when we thought he was, at, like Kyle had just mentioned, a generational talent on his own, Fills a need, so it yeah. even if KD is good, you're still banking on Greg yeah. Oden being, you know, good. Right. And but if, everyone said Greg Oden should have gone number one. Well, you guys remember, it, like Theo everyone Rattler was saying, in the middle yeah. was a terror. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! He had nine blocks. Yeah, in the game. he was. He was. He was, he was, he was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, and we and we had the thriller, you know. Yeah, the thriller was good too. <laughs> Alrighty, that's going to wrap up this week's Backyard Blazers episode. As always, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at the Backyard Blazers or via text or email at thebackyardblazers at gmail.com. Uh, we love hearing from you as always. If you have topics, suggestions, how we can make this better, we're here to serve you, the listeners. So send them our way. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please also review and um, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and share with some of your NBA-loving friends. We'd really appreciate it, as we already appreciate all your support so far. Thanks to everyone who is taking the time to listen to these and provide some feedback for us. We truly listen to every single one of those and try to make it better. So hit us all up, the best. Hit us up. And keep hitting us up. Now, thank you to our sponsor for tonight. That's right. It's TTNL Sheet Metal. The Damian Lillard of sheet metal industry, people are saying, <laughs> and the only one, the Backyard Blazers trust for all of our sheet metal needs. Only. Well said. The, the only, only one for all of our sheet well metal said. needs. And we have a lot. Um, thank <laughs> you to Corey Van Domlin for taking time out of his week to sit in with us and share his vast Blazer knowledge. Shout I mean, out. Corey, you're an electric factory. We already <laughs> knew that. I think this episode shows everyone else a little bit of that as well. You can follow him at the Real CVD on Twitter or Instagram. Thank you to Kyle and Tyler for lending us a bit of their brilliance yet again. I'm your host, Connor Scott, and until next time, go Blazers. Peace. 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 Here's Blake to Roy. This is for the... A three wins the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off.